It's good to see you guys tonight. We're going to have a good time. Appreciate everybody coming out tonight. You know, how many know uh, it's more exciting for a cook to cook to some hungry people than some full people? So are you full or you hungry tonight? Are we hungry? Oh, you, you don't know. Okay. You don't know what you are. You just showed up. Okay. You went there. Full and hungry at the same time. As long as you just ain't full by it yourself, you can be full and hungry at the same time. Yeah, Esau Sue went there. I knew he could, of all people, he could pull the Philippians verse on me. I got him. But we hungry people tonight for the Word of God. We expecting something. We talked about a couple weeks ago. You get what you expect. So if you expect nothing, you get nothing. Can't blame it on anybody else. Can't blame it on God or the preacher or the worship team. Blame it on yourself. Quiet in this Methodist, Presbyterian, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints tonight already. You get what you expect. And the more you respond, the more you'll receive the Word of God. John 15, verse 9. You know, even though there's not a huge group here yet, you can still respond like there's a huge group. Hello? John 15, verse 9. As the Father loved me, I also loved you. Abide in my love. Mm, abide in my love. With a very white voice. Abide in my love. <laughs> verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments, abide in his love. And verse 11. Key verse for tonight. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain, notice, in you. And that your joy may be full. Realize this. Jesus said that my joy may remain in you. He's talking to you. And notice he says that your joy may be full. Can I get amen? Let's look over at Psalms. Psalms is... The Psalms. <laughs> Psalms 51. Everybody good? Everybody enjoyed Love is Red conference that went on Love is Red? And if you didn't, you going next year because you missed it. But next year. You're coming, right? Everybody that didn't come this year, you're coming next year. All right. Psalm 51 and verse 12. This is the King David speaking himself, psalm that he wrote. And notice Psalm 51, 12. It says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Notice that, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Amen? If you're taking notes tonight, the time of message is, enjoy your salvation. Look at your neighbor and say, enjoy your salvation. Look at your neighbor and say, enjoy your salvation. Now let's look back over at Colossians. Colossians 1. We're going to park in Colossians 1. You guys excited for what you're going to receive tonight? 
Colossians 1. So the title is Enjoy Your Salvation. Enjoy Your Salvation. A couple questions as we get started here. You don't have to answer these out loud. It's just something for you to think about. Do you enjoy your life? Do you enjoy your life? I didn't say everything that happened to you was joyful, but do you enjoy your life? And more specifically tonight, do you enjoy your relationship with God? Are you enjoying your salvation or the salvation you've experienced by accepting Jesus into your life and now you're a new person? Are you enjoying this new abundant life that God has given you? Are you? Are you enduring it? <laughs> Are you enjoying it? Are you enduring it? Because a lot of Christians are just enduring their Christian walk, enduring their church attendance, enduring their Bible reading. If I can just make it to the streets of glory, I'm going to hate it all the way there. But when I get to heaven, I'm going to be happy. When I get to heaven, I'm going to be joyful and full of peace and excited. And I'm going I'm to shout then when I get to heaven. I'm going to rejoice then, but right now I'm not. You're living far beneath what Jesus has provided if you have that attitude. Because Jesus wants you to be full of joy as his follower, as a believer in Jesus. He wants you to be full of joy and overflowing with it. And how many of you know we've been talking a lot for several weeks, not just me, but in our church about reaching people? How many know one of the main things that people will see in your life is when you're a person of joy, that shows something to the world that they don't see. They don't know nothing about joy, real joy. And we're going to explain more. This is just the very, very intro of what we're talking about tonight. But realize this. When you are joyful, no matter what situation you're in, no matter what circumstance you're in, no matter what's going on to you, and you're still joyful, that shows something to the world that what you got is important and what you got is something they need. Not if you're an emo believer, like a lot of believers that are up one week and down the other and hate God one week and love God the next. No, you're not going to show anybody anything that way. No, if you're moody and grumpy like that, that is not the life that Jesus has provided for you. No, he provided that, you notice, Jesus said, we're going to read it in a second, in John 15, that his joy, his joy, Jesus' joy would remain in you and it would be full. Not halfway, not 25%, not 75%, but his joy would remain in you and it would be full and overflowing. That means you got enough joy for yourself, but you got so much joy when you come into the room, whether you, you're at your job or you're at your school or your community, your neighborhood, you got so much joy in you that the joy that's in you rubs off on everybody else in the community, everybody else in the classroom, everybody else at your work because you got so much joy on the inside of you. Not when you walk in and there's somebody depressed that, that they run the room, that their depression takes room. No, that your joy fills up that room and people that were depressed before start getting full of joy because you're so full. 
That's the, what believers should be like. Notice, that's being the light of the world that we're called to be, the light in the darkness. When everybody else is depressed and moody and crying that they got to go to work another day, at least they have a job, for goodness sakes. They're crying, oh, it's Monday again. Oh, my gosh, I got a test. Okay, it's raining outside. Grow up. But you know, a lot of Christians are like that. When you live like that, you're living just like the world. God doesn't want you to be an emo, up-and-down believer the rest of your life. Hello, somebody. (laughs) He doesn't want that life for you. You know, in Colossians 1 and 14, let's read it here. It says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. It says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And the reason I'm reading this verse is because there was a guy by the name of James Moffat. Not Muppet, Moffat. (laughs) Okay, this is not the Muppets translation. This is the Moffat's translation. All right, just so everybody knows, not the Muppets, Moffat. There was a scholar named James Moffat, and he did a translation on the Bible. And this is one of our pastor's favorite verses in the Bible. In in the Moffat's translation, it doesn't just say in whom we have redemption. It says in whom we enjoy our redemption. Notice that. In whom we enjoy our redemption. In whom we enjoy our salvation. Not we endure it. Not we, we live with this great redemption and salvation that God's given us, and we're not thankful for it every day. No, we enjoy it every day. Notice, because there's a lot of Christians that are not enjoying it, and there's no reason they shouldn't be enjoying it. The amazing life that God has given you, you should be enjoying yourself. Just for the sheer fact that you're not going to hell anymore, you should enjoy yourself. If God didn't do anything else for you other than that, that would have been enough for you to be joyful the rest of your life that you're going to heaven and not to hell. That's enough to be joyful about the rest of your life. But on top of that, he gave us an abundant life here on the earth. And he said we could have heaven on earth right now. So we should enjoy our redemption in whom we enjoy our redemption. We enjoy our salvation. Let's look back over at John. John 15. You guys get anything so far? Y'all get me stirred up already. John 15. But notice we enjoy our redemption. I believe this wholeheartedly. Christians should be the most exciting, joyful, happy, laughing people on the planet. And the fraternities... The clubs, the bars, Hollywood, MTV, everybody else should look at the believers instead of vice versa, us looking up to them like, oh, they're living that life. Oh, man, they're having so much fun. I wish I was them. They seem like they're enjoying themselves so much. No, the Christians should set the standard for that. (laughs) You know, that's why uh, a lot of things haven't changed because so many believers are emo like that. Nobody sees something in your life that they want. I want fraternities, clubs, you know, the frat houses, everybody else to look at my life and say, I want what he has, not vice versa. Not me looking up to them. I wish I could do that, but, you know, I I can't because people would find out, and, you know, I'm not supposed to because I go to church. No. What a lame Christian life to live. I'm talking way too real tonight, but you need it. 
what a lame way to live the rest of your life, looking up to people that are sinning, acting like that's a fun life to live. They should be looking up to you because they see the joy that you have. Notice they have happiness, not joy. I'm going to preach in a second on that. You got that, Sue. <laughs> you know, reminded me of a song, and I'm going to share it with you. There's several songs that have to do with this, but if you grew up in church, you know a song called, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Where? I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. <laughs> Where are you at, church going people? I know you're in here. Now, I was thinking about this last night. Now, the first verse of that I really enjoy. I got the joy, joy, joy down in my heart. That's, that's awesome. But there was another line in that song that I thought of last night, and I was thinking, this is a legit line. I can't believe we used to sing it. If the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. Do you remember that line? <laughs> Do you remember that line? I totally forgot about that. I was like, man, that song was so right back in the day. Do you realize when we were little kids, we used to sing that song? That is so right. We need to bring that back. If the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. You remember that line, don't you? It's really in the song. I was like, man, that would just make your day joyful right there if you think about if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. If the devil bugs you next week, you tell him that. If the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. And you will just get joy going through your system right there. That is a real line, isn't it? That is a real line in that song. If the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. Man, those little kids' songs, they had so much revelation in them. I didn't even realize it until I was older. Man, the joy in my heart, devil sitting on attack. Awesome. Realize this, joy is different from happiness. Joy is different from happiness. And let me, let me share something with you real quick. Because uh, I'm not just saying just be happy, because there's people that are not saved that are outwardly happier than Christians because they're just really nice people, and uh, they have a pretty good life. And realize this joy is different from happiness. All right, happiness is dependent on your circumstances. And joy is based on your relationship with Jesus. So when you live up and down, emo believer, every week, you're showing that your faith is in your happiness or in your circumstances. That's why you're up and down. So when everything's going good, you're good. You're happy. You're nice. You're smiling. You're laughing. But when stuff bad happens to you, you're grumpy. You're mean, depressed. And that's the world's way. They know about happiness. And happiness is dependent on your circumstances. But notice, joy is completely different because it's based and dependent on your relationship with Jesus or your relationship with God himself. And realize... Your circumstances can change, but God doesn't change. That's why the world's life is like this, up and down, up and down, because circumstances will change the rest of your life. But realize joy doesn't change because it's based on Jesus. And the Word of God says in Hebrews, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means you can be joyful yesterday, today, and forever. The rest of your life you can be full of joy because Jesus doesn't change. And your joy is based in Him and not in your circumstances. Notice, Happiness is dependent on circumstances. 
anybody can be happy when everything's going right. You don't have to know God to be happy. You know, if you are on the beach in Montanillo, <laughs> no, in St. Thomas, on Greek island beaches, if you're on the beach laying out there in the sun, you got a nice tan, people are bringing you food and beverages all day, it's beautiful out there, you feel wonderful, you're swimming in the ocean, the fish love you, everything's going great, anybody can be happy, you don't know, need to know God to be happy at that moment, it's easy to be happy at that moment, hey, when you're prosperous, when you're healthy, when your kids are halfway decent, it's not hard to be happy, but notice, when your circumstances change, what happens to you? Realize this, for Christians and non-Christians, circumstances will change. For everybody on the planet, your circumstances will change. Because we still live in a planet that the Word of God says that Satan is still the God of this world. And he will try to send circumstances, tests, trials, whatever you want to call them, the storms of life will come to everybody, Christian and non-Christian. You need to know that. Because some people preach that when you're a Christian that nothing bad will ever happen to you ever again. That's not true. <laughs> That's not true. If you think just because you got saved, nothing bad will ever happen to you. That's not true. Why? Because you still live in a planet. You still live on this earth, and Satan is still the God of this world. And he will send storms, notice, to the believer and the unbeliever. He will send storms to everybody because his desire is to, to kill, steal, and destroy your life. It doesn't matter if you're saved or unsaved. So he's going to send storms to everybody. But the way we deal with it is the difference. You know, it says in the Gospels that the storms came to two houses. One built it on the sand and one built it on the rock. But the storm came to both houses. And that's symbolic of the believer's life and the unbeliever's life. One built it on the sand, on happiness, circumstances. And notice that one built it on the rock. They built it on Jesus. They built it on his word. And notice, storms came to both houses, but only one stood after the storm was over, and it was the one that was built on the rock. Why? Because their joy was not based on their circumstance. Their joy was based on Jesus. You guys get anything so far? Let's read in John 15, verse 11. It says, these things I have spoken to you. This is red letter, so that's Jesus speaking. These things I have spoken to you that you may, that my joy may remain, notice, in you, and your joy may be full. Now, number one, if you're taking notes, I already said this, but you can write this down. The first point, the Christian life should be enjoyed, not endured. I'm just determined God wants us to have fun. I'm just determined God wants us to have the best life. The most peace, the most joy, all of the above. That Once again, that doesn't mean everything in your life is going right. That doesn't mean there's not any tests or trials or storms of life that will come because the Word of God says they will come. If they haven't come, they will come. Notice, but they're not from God. They're from the devil to try to shake your faith. I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but 
Let's look over at Psalms 16 and verse 11. Psalm 16. And before we read that, in that John 15 passage, it said that, that your, uh, his joy would remain in you and you would be full. In other translations, it said you would be filled with his joy and overflow with it. Another translation, it says that the joy would be overflowing and bursting out. That's the kind of joy that Jesus wants to give you. And really, if you're a believer already, that's the kind of joy he's already given you. It's a joy that's not just in you, not just barely there, but it's in you and it's overflowing and ready to burst out if you let it. Notice, it's not a partial joy, a half-filled-up cup, but overflowing with joy. In Psalm 16 and verse 11, it says, You will show me the path of life. Notice, in your presence is fullness of joy. In your presence is fullness of joy. Notice, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Notice, in your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You know, God is not against pleasure. Do you know that? A lot of Christians will almost preach like God's against anything that is pleasurable whatsoever. <laughs> That's not right whatsoever. You know why he's against certain pleasures? Not all, but against certain because they're only temporary pleasures. And he don't want to give you a pleasure that's temporary and you're going to feel empty the next day you wake up. You're going to feel guilty the next day after you woke up. Yeah, you got drunk last night and it was pleasurable, but what, what do you feel the next day? Yeah, you slept with that person last night and it felt good for a few hours, but what about the next morning? No, he's against temporary pleasures and pleasures that really do not satisfy. He just wants you to have pleasure in him because it's eternal and everlasting. And it doesn't leave you empty when it fills you. Those pleasures are only for a moment. And after they're done, it's empty. You still feel just as alone. You still feel just as messed up as you did before you did them. But it was a temporary pleasure. And you know, the Word of God says sin's fun for a season. But no, it's not forever. But God's not against pleasure. He just wants your pleasure to be in Him and the things He's provided. You know, one of the things he's provided is for you to have a husband and a wife. He's not against you having pleasure with somebody opposite sex. You just got to do it in the right way because that will make it lasting pleasure. There's so many things in your life that God has, he says he's richly given us all things to enjoy. He's given us so many things on this planet to enjoy and to get pleasure from. But we realize at the end of the day, he should be the ultimate one we get pleasure from because he's the only one that can truly satisfy us everlasting and eternally. And we read here, in your presence is fullness of joy. In your presence is fullness of joy. And this is kind of a side note. You, I mean, you can take notes if you want. But think about this. If you're saying tonight, I haven't been very joyful recently, how much have you been in his presence recently? Because it says... <laughs> It's kind of point, point blank. In your presence is fullness of joy. 
not in your presence, not in fullness of joy. We can say that. <laughs> because he's the only one that can give you real and everlasting joy. So ask yourself this, not condemning yourself, not beating yourself up. But if you're not a joyful person, when's the last time you spent time with God? Because a byproduct of spending time with Jesus is you're going to be joyful. You're, going to have to tr- you're not going to have to try to be a joyful person. You're going to be a joyful person. How many know when you've been in like a conference setting, like a love is red or camp mode, when you come out of those meetings, you don't have to try to be joyful. You're just joyful. Why? Because you've been in his presence all week. You don't have to try to be peaceful. No, you're just peaceful because you've been in his presence all week. That's what comes from getting in God's presence, that you will be full of joy. So just something to ask yourself. If, if I'm not full of joy, maybe I'm not spending time in God's presence because it's a promise in his word. When I spend time with him, I'm going to have fullness of joy in my life. And realize this, if you're a believer, joy's in you, but when you spend time with him, the joy comes to its fullness. The joy's already in you, but notice when you spend time with Jesus, it comes flowing through you in a new way. The fullness of it comes out. Notice in his presence is fullness of joy. Galatians 5.22, I'm just going to read this real quick. But we realize this, we all know the fruit of the Spirit, and... If you've received Jesus, the Holy Spirit dwells in you now. And it says one of the fruits of the Spirit working in your life is joy. So if you're not a person of joy, maybe you're not letting the Holy Spirit work through your life. (laughs) Because some of the fruits are byproducts of the Holy Spirit being in you and living through you is you're going to be a joyful person. Joy is not the only thing. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. All of those things should flow from your life because they are a byproduct. They are the fruit, notice, of the root of the Holy Spirit being in you. If you really got them in there, there should be some fruit. (laughs) And some of the fruit on the tree is not spiritual gifts. It's not you can prophesy or prophesy over somebody. It's not that you can just slap everybody in the head and lay hands on people. No, it is the fruit of the Holy Spirit is joy. It's one of the main fruits of the Spirit. You know, it doesn't mean anything if you can get behind a pulpit and preach and you're mean to everybody. Who cares? If you can prophesy over everybody and have tongues and interpretation and lay hands on the sick, but you're a jerk outside the pulpit, who cares? Notice, those are gifts of the Spirit. That means you don't earn them. That's why there's jerks that are used by God, because they're gifts. But notice, what the real deal is, the Holy Spirit working in your life, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Those are the real fruits of the Spirit. And I'm on a side note here, but this is a good side note. Gifts of the Spirit are not a sign of your maturity fruit of the spirit are <laughs> did anybody hear what I was saying I just threw in a little filet mignon with the rest of my food tonight realize gifts of the spirit are not a sign of maturity fruit of the spirit are and so many people magnify the gifts of the spirit but you could be immature a jerk and mean and still walk in the gifts of the spirit why because the gifts and callings of God are without repentance and they're gifts you don't earn them 
understand that. You guys hear what I'm saying? But notice, fruit of the Spirit, which one of them is, joy, is, is a true sign of maturity. When you start developing stuff like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and you're walking in that, that means the Holy Spirit is really working through you and living through you. Let's look over at James 1. That was a little side note, but it was good. You needed it. James 1. Y'all bless me. Y'all make it easy for me to preach. Number two. So we're going to be in James 1, 2. Number two, if you're taking notes. Joy is a choice. Ouch. Joy <laughs> is a choice. When people don't walk in joy, they're choosing not to. I'm talking to believers here. If you're not a believer, then it's whatever. <laughs> you, you got an excuse to not walk in joy. But if you're a believer, if you're not walking in joy and you're not a joy-filled person, it's because you chose not to be. <laughs> wow, joy is a choice. James 1, 2, and it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Verse 4, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Notice it in verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience patience now the reason I said joy is a choice is what I said earlier and we're going to get into this joy is a choice because you're always not going to feel joyful you're not always going to feel like rejoicing that's why it's a choice so that's why we say, we're talking about joy is a choice and notice it says my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. What is he saying? What I said earlier. Trials, tests, storms of life will come to everyone. But there is a decision you can make as a believer that it's not going to steal your joy. And another thing about that, not only that it's not going to steal your joy, but you've got to realize joy is the only thing that's going to keep you through that storm until it gets to the other side. That's why James said, count it all joy. Notice, count it all joy. It's not going to feel like it, but go ahead and count it joy when you get into a storm or test and trials. And your feelings are going to be screaming everything else but being joyful. But notice, count it joy. Why? Because that's your answer through that trial or that testing or that storm in your life. Joy is a key to getting through. And notice, it says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. Realize this, the devil has sent that because he's trying to steal your faith. But notice, if he can't steal your joy, he can't steal your faith. <laughs> you know why joy and faith go together? Because you realize this. If you're not a joyful person, that means you really don't believe God's going to do what he said he would do. In which that would be your faith. 
So if you're depressed and grumpy all the time, you're saying, God, I really don't believe you. What your word says, that you're going to bring me through this, that your word says I'm healed, that your word says I'm provided for, that your word says you will never leave me nor forsake me, that your word said that I can make it to the other side, that your word said that you will never change and you will get me through everything. When you're not joyful, that's your faith talking saying, I don't believe. But notice, when, when I see people that are full of joy, I know they got it. I know their faith is working. Just like you, you'll see people that have gone through heavy tests and trials, especially like physically, in our church. If you're saying, I believe I'm healed, and you're still walking around depressed, then you don't really believe it. <laughs> I didn't say you, would fi- you felt better right then, but you don't really believe it. Notice the people I receive, see have received... Uh, healing that's been going through life-threatening things one of the the aspects of their life that I've seen is they're full of joy why because they really believe that God's moving people like Jacob and other people in our church notice he didn't always feel like being joyful but he was straight praising God with a chemo bag in the front of church so what's our excuse Four-stage cancer, chemo bag, dancing around. Okay. (laughs) Notice why. Because he believed God would do what he said he would do. So what? The expression was joy. But notice, if Jacob was sitting through the service like this during that time, I don't think he would have been healed. Why? Because that that, uh, gesture and that response says, God, I really don't believe what you said. Are we talking real, real talk tonight? Notice in the New Living Translation, it said, when you fall into trouble, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Notice, don't look at the circumstances negatively. Look at them as opportunities for great joy. (laughs) It's so easy to be negative in this world because everybody's negative. Even believers are negative, which is sad. So notice, when you fall into something like that, when something happens to you like that, and the devil is trying to come after you and steal your faith, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Let's look over at Philippians 4.4. 4. So joy is a choice. And I realize what I'm preaching right here, joy is a choice, is easier said than done. Can we all say an amen on that? When everybody's feeling good, it's like, yeah, joy is a choice, and I'm joyful. But when you don't feel good next week, (laughs) then you have to remind yourself, joy is a choice, myself included. When stuff is happening in your life, and maybe you got fired from your job, you got to remember, joy is a choice. And joy is going to get me to the other side of this. You know, when you're having trouble with relationships in your family, you're going to have to remind yourself everything could be going right, right now. But remind yourself, joy is a choice. In Philippians 4, and we're going to read it here in a second, there's something we can learn from the Apostle Paul's life. Is that the Apostle Paul, we could all agree that he's been through more than all of us put together. It said he was shipwrecked so many times, he was practically beat to death, 
by unbelievers and by believers. He was thrown into lion's pits. He was shipwrecked. Everything in the world has happened to him. He got beat. He got rocks thrown at him. He got thrown into jail. Everything that could happen wrong happened wrong to Paul. And notice, not because Paul was doing anything wrong. (laughs) Sometimes we think if bad things are happening in our life, it's because we did something wrong. Maybe not so. Maybe it's because you're doing something right. And the devil is intimidated, and he's trying to send everything he can to stop you. That's why the Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, uh, faced so much adversity is because the devil was intimidated of what he could do. And notice he went ahead and did it anyways. That's why we're still talking about Paul, and he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament by himself. Notice he faced all that, not because he was doing something wrong, because he was doing something right, but we see in Paul's life what got him through all that was he kept his joy. Why? Because his joy was in Jesus and not in his circumstances. Because if anybody could complain about their circumstances and get negative and get depressed and get sad, it would be Paul. But Paul was full of joy. Why? Because his joy is in Jesus, which is unchanging, and not in his circumstances, which are changing. Realize that, Dr. Semmerl said that one time before. He said, every circumstance in life, good or bad, can change. Circumstances can change. But notice, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. It's something interesting in the book of Philippians. How many know the book of Philippians is a letter written to Paul to the church at Philippi? And something you need to know about the book of Philippians is more times in the book of Philippians than any other of his books or letters he wrote to churches, he talks about being joyful or rejoicing. More than any other letter he wrote to any churches, the church at Philippi, the book of Philippians, he talks about being joyful or rejoicing more than any other book. Is They always talk about being the most joyful letter he wrote to anybody was the book of Philippians. Now, if the Apostle Paul was up in a luxury suite in Rome or Jerusalem right then, it would have been very easy for that to be a very joyful letter he wrote, wouldn't it? All his needs met, people just bringing him grapes and fried chicken wings and everything else up in Jerusalem or Rome, wherever he was, or in Colossae, you know, Timothy and Titus going and getting him some food because they were sons in the faith. But it would have been easy if the circumstances were like that for him to write such a joyful letter in Philippians. Okay. Paul, when he wrote the book of Philippians, was in a jail cell. Hello, somebody. He was in prison. He was in solitary confinement. Okay? And the prison he was in, when Paul wrote this letter, he was at the bottom of this prison. And how many know prisons back then were a lot worse than prisons today? They didn't have running water and flushing toilets. And where Paul was, he was at the bottom of the prison where pretty much prisoners used the restroom wherever they wanted to. And he would be at the bottom of this prison, and all the sewage and waste from everybody would flow to the bottom of the prison. 
And notice back in the day, they didn't care about prisoners like they do today. <laughs> they didn't have all the laws we have in place. So they could care less if you were sitting in somebody else's poop being in prison. They did not care. I know that sounds gross, but that's the truth. Back in those days, they didn't care. When Paul wrote this letter to... I don't know if you're hearing what I'm saying tonight. When Paul wrote this letter talking about being joyful, he was sitting in prison because of preaching the gospel, sitting at the bottom of this prison, beaten, bruised, been in shipwrecks, sitting in other people's waste and poop, for goodness sakes, writing this letter, talking about being joyful. What's our excuse? <laughs> Why? Because our joy is based on our circumstances and not Jesus. That's the key to Paul's success. His joy was not in his prison cell. His joy was not in his circumstances. His joy was not in people beating him up or what they thought about him. His joy was in Jesus. That's why somebody in that situation could still be full of joy because their trust was in Jesus. And it's the same for you. If your trust is in Jesus, you realize, if I got Jesus, I got everything I need. It doesn't matter where I am right now, what circumstance I'm going through. He's my healer. He's my savior. He's my provider. If I got him, I got everything I need, and I can get to the other side of this. It doesn't matter if I got him. Circumstances don't matter. Why? Because he's greater than those circumstances. If you got Jesus, it doesn't matter what circumstance you're in. Because you have a trust, a confidence that greater is he that's in you than whatever you're going through. That the God that you serve is for you. Who can be against you? Paul had that revelation. Doesn't matter where you put me, I got God on my side, so I'm going to get out of this. And young people, you need to have that same attitude. I don't care what circumstance you're in. If God is with you, you'll get to the other side of that. If God is in your boat, like Dr. Dufresne says, how can you sink? Notice in Philippians 4.4, 4, he says to be joyful and rejoice so much in this, but notice in Philippians 4.4, 4, towards the end of this letter, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say, Rejoice. Somebody in prison sitting in poop said this. <laughs> yes, it's graphic and it's funny at the same time. It wouldn't have been funny if you were Paul, though. You got to think about this when you read your Bible. He's saying, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I will say, Rejoice. What did he say? Joy is a choice. <laughs> rejoice in the Lord. God's not going to rejoice for you. Do you understand that? Are you getting what I'm saying? He commanded this church who was not in prison, who was not sitting in those circumstances, to rejoice in the Lord. And notice, he said, again, I say rejoice. When somebody says something twice, that means they really mean it for emphasis. And notice he said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Why? Because joy is a choice. You can choose to not rejoice hello, or get, you can choose to rejoice in the Lord because he's going to get you to the other side of whatever you're going through. Joy's a choice. Last thing, you guys here tonight? Notice that joy is a choice. 
Let's look over at Acts 2. Joy is a choice. Acts 20. So we realize this, we don't rejoice for the circumstance. We rejoice in the God who can get us through every circumstance. That's where we rejoice at. Not, thank you God for sending this. I know you're trying to teach me something. No, we rejoice in the God who can deliver us out of anything. That's what he was talking about, rejoice in the Lord. When you're going through something difficult, your feelings are going to tell you to do the complete opposite. But this is the key to getting through that. Rejoice in the Lord anyways. Start praising God anyways for the answer. Start praising God anyways for the deliverance. Start praising God anyways for the healing because you believe he's going to do what his word said he's going to do. Rejoice in the Lord always. Now before we read this in Acts 20, 24, uh, earlier it talked about Paul and Silas was in prison. And another opportunity to not be joyful would be if you were beat up and in prison. And notice, Paul and Silas, it says at the midnight hour, they praised God. They sang praises to God. What were they doing? Rejoicing in the Lord. And notice, once they started rejoicing in the Lord, it says everybody's bands were loosed. And everybody got free and came out of the prison cells. I just preached right there. I don't know if anybody heard me. Why? Because joy is a choice. And notice, joy is your answer to getting to the other side of these situations. Notice, if they wouldn't have praised God and rejoiced right then, they would have still been sitting in that prison cell. Notice, but they started rejoicing and praising God. Notice, not for being in prison, but for their God who could deliver them. And notice, immediately, everybody's bands were loose and they were set free. In Acts 20, 24, the Apostle Paul speaking, it says, But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself. So no, notice what he says here, So that I may finish my race with joy. In the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Notice that, that I will finish my race with joy. Last thing, joy gives you strength to finish. Joy gives you strength to finish what God has called you to do. Notice that he said that I will finish my course with joy. Notice, after all Paul's been through, he could... He could end up in ministry a bitter, old, angry man from all he went through. But notice he said, the key to me finishing my course is that I keep my joy. The key to you finishing what God has called you to do is keeping your joy no matter what circumstance, no matter what situation you are, keeping your joy because you realize your God is greater than anything you're going through. Your God is greater than any circumstance you're going through. So joy gives you, notice, strength to finish what God has called you to do. Let's look at Nehemiah 8.
Hopefully I can find Nehemiah. Where you at, Nehemiah? getting there. My pages are all together. There we go. Nehemiah 8. Last thing. Notice joy will give you strength to finish. Some people don't what I've said tonight, they don't even think about joy in their daily life. They're not a joyful person and they are a so-called believer in Jesus Christ. And they don't realize how important joy is to their life. And I just want you to know, there's about 20 other scriptures I could have shared tonight on joy, but we don't have time to. You can look, it up, look them up on your own, on how important joy is for your life. Notice, joy will give you strength to finish. He said that I, Paul said that I'll finish my race, notice, with joy. Meaning, without joy, I'm probably not going to finish my race because I'm going to quit way before it's finished because I'm just fed up with everything that's going on, my circumstances. Notice, but if you keep your joy, you will finish. And notice in Nehemiah 8 and verse 10, the last part, it says, Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Mm-hmm. Notice, do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. What did I just say? Joy will give you strength to finish what God has called you to do. Notice, every day when you wake up, you can say that over your life, the joy of the Lord is my strength today. How many know when you walk in joy on a daily basis, you have extra strength to do what you've been called to do? If you're walking around, moping around, depressed, you can't just, you're like, I cannot wait for this day to be over. You have no strength. The more depressed, the more grumpy you are, the worse you feel. Notice, but when you're walking around with joy, you are strengthened physically. Not just spiritually, but spirit, soul, and body. When you have the joy of the Lord moving through you, you can do things that you couldn't do in the natural. Because it's supernatural strength. And notice, when you walk around in joy every day, you can do what God has called you to do. Because the joy of the Lord, that's how important it is. The joy of the Lord is your strength. It's your strength. Confess that over your life every day. That's a a good scripture to confess. Today, the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's how important it is to walk in joy because joy will help you finish what God has called you to do. Keep your joy. You know, there there was one book, as I close, this is not in my notes, but I think uh, maybe Jerry Savelle wrote it. But it had a title, something like this, if, if the devil can't steal your joy, he can't take your stuff. How important joy is for your life. How important joy is to finish what God has called you to do. Let's look over Psalm 51, last verse. Would you guys get anything tonight? Psalm 51. Think about this. The men and women of God that I've seen finish strong and finish what God has called them to do were people of joy, were people of laughter. And, you know, sometimes we think it's funny, but we've all been in services like that where supernatural laughter happens and people start laughing. 
But realize when you come out of those services, how, how much are you strengthened? That scripture is in action right there when that happens. When you start laughing, and not just randomly, but because the Holy Spirit's upon you to laugh and the joy of the Lord comes upon you. Notice, when you walk out of that service, you are strengthened physically. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And notice, you can do that all by yourself. You don't have to wait for a service. So you're saying, well, I, man, I just, I'm trying to laugh like that again. Hey, the same Holy Ghost that is here is the same Holy Ghost that lives in you. You don't have to have a crowd around you to laugh. You could laugh in your own devotional life, in your own personal praise time with God. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And something about uh, one of our, I guess he would be our great-granddaddy in the faith, Kenneth E. Hagin. If you ever listen to much Kenneth E. Hagin, is a lot of times, and you'll see it in Dr. Dufresne's ministry, uh, because he was a spiritual son, a lot of times when they'd be ministering towards the end when the Holy Spirit would be moving, people would start laughing supernaturally and the Holy Spirit would just get on people and they would start laughing hysterically. And that was just something that went along with their ministry. And something with uh, Kenneth E. Hagin, which he shares so many stories on some of his uh, CDs, is he talks about some of the different things he went through and specifically because he had a lot of physical issues when he was a younger man. And on several of the CDs, he's giving you nuggets on how he got through everything. And he lived to be an old man, 87 years old. Brother Hagen finished his course. And he talked a lot about when the devil would come tell him stuff about his life because he had a lot of physical issues when he was younger. He said sometimes it would be late at night in his bed by himself on the road, and the devil would say, you know, uh, because he got healed of some incurable diseases, he got healed of a heart situation, the devil would come say, you're going to die. Those diseases are going to come back on you. You're going to have heart sy uh, symptoms again. You know, you're not going to be able to preach. You're going to die in the pulpit. He would, The devil would come say stuff like that to Brother Hagin. Brother Hagin said he would sit in his bed and laugh on purpose. Notice, he didn't feel like laughing, but he laughed anyways laughing at the devil and he said that got him on the other side of a lot of situations when the devil comes to you and talks to you and tells you lies like that you need to just laugh in his face whether it feels good or not at the moment because it will help you some of you are saying well that just sounds goofy that sounds corny you know I don't want to do that by myself hey it works who cares if nobody's there it doesn't matter anyways but I remember Brother Hagin used to give the, the illustration. You know, he didn't feel like laughing, and the devil would be saying that stuff. And God said, you just need to laugh right now. And he'd say, ha, 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 ha. He would just start out like that, not even like a for real laugh. He was just doing it by faith. He had no feelings. And he goes, after several minutes, he would start to really laugh in the Holy Ghost. And notice, all those situations were gone out of his life. And the enemy would leave his thought life alone. Because he would just laugh at her. Notice, because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Are you guys getting anything I'm saying tonight? And notice, that's, that's a, a nugget from our great-grandfather in the faith that sometimes when the devil tells you stuff, just straight up laugh in his face. It will help you. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I, I'm saying this for all of us. You need to laugh more. You need to let the joy of the Lord flow through you. Don't 
try to quiet yourself down. Don't try to hold that in. Laugh more. Let the joy of the Lord flow through you, not just at church, but in your personal life. If you feel something like that, let it go. God's trying to do something in your life. If the devil tells you something, laugh in his face, for goodness sakes. (laughs) Whether you feel like it or not. And maybe you have to start out, ha, 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 ha. (laughs) But it'll turn into a real laugh. Here's something else. Don't take yourself too seriously. (laughs) Sometimes Christians take themselves way too serious and forget that they are not a savior. Get that savior messiah complex on us a little bit. And everybody gets too serious acting all strict and religious and like a Pharisee and like like you the savior and the messiah. No, don't take yourself too seriously. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Let the joy of the Lord be uh, something that just fuels your life for God. Let the joy of the Lord be that fuel. Notice last verse in Psalms 51. And this is a verse that I feel like anybody that feels like they may be drifted from that place or have lost some of that joy, that you can pray this over yourself. Notice, David prayed this prayer, and he was a man after God's own heart. So if he's praying this, then we all probably need this sometime in our life. I know I have before. Notice in verse 12, it says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me by your generous spirit. Notice, restore to me the joy of your salvation. If you have drifted into serious land, depressed land, being all strict and uptight, and your relationship with God and coming to church and everything else is not enjoyable anymore, let's go back to the the place you started out at the beginning when you first got saved. And nobody had to tell you to read your Bible. Nobody had to tell you to go to church. Nobody had to tell you to rejoice. But you were just in love with Jesus, and you were just a joy-filled person because you were happy at what you received from God. Notice, restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me by your generous spirit. You notice, if you will pray that prayer, God will meet you where you're at. If you say, I've completely lost all joy, and I am uptight and need help, God will help you. And notice his word says he will restore to you the joy of your salvation. I know I've been there before. I've needed that where I've gotten too serious, too uptight about stuff, and drifted from just the simplicity of the gospel and the simplicity of just serving God and being joyful. And and I made it a duty, or I made it something I, I have to do, not that I get to do. We've all been there, and we got to go back to that place. And, no, 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 no. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength, and it's going to help you finish what God has called you to do. Amen? Did you guys get anything tonight? Well, as we close here, we have a DVD presentation. So, if a sound man, I could get some sound on that DVD player and... Uh, Chad, is there any way you could turn out some of the lights in the back and we'll get this DVD ready to play?